You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. I think I wish I would have had someone pull me aside and say, when you have these great races, I think it's really natural, especially when you're younger, to think, oh, I'm going to have a million more like this. And you always move on really quick from whatever the achievement is, whether it's an American record or a national title or an Olympic medal, you're always thinking, oh, there's more to come. And the reality is that it's a very tough sport. And sometimes we don't get those moments again. So I wish someone would have told me earlier on, like, you really got to celebrate these achievements because they are few and far between sometimes. And that's what makes it so addicting and so so hard, but yet so rewarding because it isn't easy. And therefore hard things are fun, but they don't like the big time achievements are very few. And to really savor them and soak them up. I think I did towards the end of my career, I was very sentimental about each little thing that happened. But I think earlier on, I just kept thinking, well, I have so much time. I'm gonna do so much better. And sometimes it's like, no, that was, that was the moment. And you kind of dismiss it as not being important, but it really is important. And so I wish, you know, I try to reinforce that with my athletes when they have a big breakthrough moment. I'm like, this is incredible. We need to celebrate this. You did so good really soak this up. Don't just keep moving on to the next thing quite yet. Like really soak in this achievement. And I think that's just nature of our society is very, very quick. And so I just try to reinforce that. That was Shalene Flanagan. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative, movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today, I'm syncing up with Shalane Flanagan, four-time Olympian and Olympic silver medalist, New York City marathon champion, an American record holder, coach to world-famous Bowerman Track Club athletes, three-time New York Times best-selling author, with her newest book, Rise and Run. This conversation is part of a three-episode series in partnership with Inside Tracker to highlight how everyone from professional athletes to recreational fitness lovers can benefit from being dialed in to key blood biomarkers to optimize your health, nutrition, and athletic performance. Inside Tracker is the ultra-personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. It transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed nutrition recommendations you need to optimize your health. Get 20% off today at insidetracker.com slash Marnie on the Move. Shalane and I sync up about her love of trail running, the Bowerman Track Club summer camp for high schoolers, And of course, I get some training tips on speed and endurance. We do a deep dive into the benefits of Inside Tracker, how the insight and data helped her power through Project Eclipse, and how she integrates the personalized nutrition and data into her training and coaching with her athletes. 
I also get the inside scoop on how her training is going with her busy schedule and adorable two-year-old son, Jack. Plus, Shalene shares a few of her favorite books and what shows she's currently binging. All right, on to my conversation with Shalene. Tomorrow's Global Running Day. Do you have any big plans? I will be going to Utah at the end of the week and meeting up with some friends for a really cool trail run. So I think I'll just like celebrate this this weekend when it's cool we're in utah (laughs) i just got back from saint george my athletes are in park city um so i'll be doing some trail run with um a friend who lives in heber which is just a little bit further outside of park city and she's a local so she's got something fun planned i just i show up ready to go and just get dragged to wherever mountaintop and i'm so grateful to have friends that like know trail running i'm very new to it so like i don't even know anything like I just show up with shoes and and just go yeah I mean (laughs) it's so it's so interesting that you say that because I've been you know I've been running a long time and I love running on tracks on the treadmill outside on the streets but I'm not a trail runner at all and over like we were in Utah and I'm training for races and so I had to run and that's where I was running on trails but I mean it wasn't like out back in the woods but Definitely wasn't like a flat road surface. And my running was just, it was such, I loved it. It was just, I wore the wrong shoes. It was such a different experience than just running out on the road. Yeah, I I really enjoy how I have like no comparison and it's brand new to me. Um, but I've been a novice with shoe wear and getting bad blisters, losing toenails just because of any type of descent or any sand. So I've learned a lot the hard way of like what socks to wear, like what shapes too much, um, how much to fuel and bring with me because I'm usually out there a lot longer. And um but in overall, like it, to me, it's just like a giant adventure. Um, and I love hiking, but it's like, you can cover way more ground. Like it's totally reasonable to think you could cover 20 miles running, but like a 20 mile day hiking sounds really long, but to me, I'm like a 20 mile run in, in the woods and up mountains and stuff. I'm like, Oh, that's not that long, you know? So it's funny how like you reframe it, but yeah, I've, I've learned a lot through it and it's, it's definitely enticing me. And that's like one of the big things is this summer to try to get like to Europe and do more trail running um, this fall with friends. So you have been running your whole life. What do you love about running and beyond all the places like physically that it's taken you? I kind of look at my running now as more um, feeding two needs. One, my mental health. Two, social to like play and connect um, with friends. And so to me, it's like kind of a nice way, especially like being a parent. I just feel like feel selfish taking time for my, for myself. So, but if I feel like I can get two birds with one stone, I can be social and I get a workout in and it's better for my mental state the rest of the day. Um, that really allows me to be a better parent, a better coach and just spouse. And just like, I feel like my life is enhanced by it. So yeah, running has definitely transformed my relationship. It used to be about running as fast as I could and placing as high and finding out my true potential of like what's in me and just, you know, going for it. Um, now it's definitely, it's just a little bit slower pace. It's a little bit kinder and gentler. And I love just connecting with people through my running more than anything now. I know that you are now in this space with running where in this chapter of your life where you're using it socially and as a form of, you know, community and coaching. 
But was there ever a time where it really helped you feel like super connected to yourself? Oh yeah. I mean, I think as a runner, there's a lot of time in your own head for better or worse. And there were training blocks throughout my career where I was alone and very self-reliant and I didn't love being alone, but it definitely taught me a lot about myself because I would spend hours running by myself. And sometimes I would get so tired of my own internal dialogue that I would literally say like to myself, like, I'm so tired of you, Shalane. <laughs> but at the same time, I really did learn myself very well. And I think as athletes, we're very in tune with our bodies. And so I have learned a lot about my body. And whenever my athletes come to me saying that they feel something, I really respect what they have to say because they know their bodies better than anyone. They're so fine-tuned. They 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 feel the littlest things and change and um, for better or worse. And um, I think probably athletes know their bodies so, so well, just because it's their major tool and mechanism to do what they love. And so very much in tune with that. And yeah, time alone, whether it be on the bike or in the pool or running. And, you know, I grew up, I, I was a swimmer and time in the pool taught me a lot, you know, that's yeah. even less socialization than running. So just staring at the bottom of a pool and tiles. And so I learned a lot, you know, through athletics on just how to be very self-reliant and then just knowing a little, a lot more about myself, probably. Did you ever use swimming as a way of sort of balancing out all the running throughout your career? Not really as part of the training for running, but as a way to kind of like beyond the running. Yeah, because I did have a background in high school. It was definitely my go-to cross training um, besides just getting in the gym and lifting weights and doing things, you know, to just keep me generally strong and healthy. Um, it was definitely my go-to. I just love like the weightlessness and the lack of pounding. I felt like when I would be running a lot, like I felt like I was getting shorter. And when I get in the pool, I'd be able to like elongate and really open up just areas of my body. And it felt really refreshing to get in the pool. A lot of runners loathe getting in the pool, but my background just, um, it really, uh, it for sure was like my go-to, um, throughout my career. And I, I just, um, I always felt so much better and refreshed like my body and mentally too, just doing something different. Yeah. I find it, I find it great. I think it's helped me build longevity in my running and doing triathlon just because it's just the multiple sports, but the swimming is really, it's always game changing for me. Yeah. Do you, do you have any races in the pipeline in coming months that you can talk about? I don't, I mean, I'm just, I'm in full coaching mode, which okay. goes through the end of July. Uh, my athletes have the U S championship in Eugene, Oregon at the end of June. And then only a few weeks later, the world championships are in Eugene, Oregon as well. So um, really that that's my priority is, is being fit and full of energy for them. <laughs> and uh, after that, you know, they head to Europe and race and um, maybe I'll start to get into some things for myself. Um, but I definitely have like the pendulum swinging, like where I get times during the year where I can have my own kind of running goals, but then I switch over to coach mode and then my own running goals and then coach mode. So I'm full on in coach mode. And um, as we were talking about, I am definitely really intrigued by trail atmosphere and the yeah. trail runs. I haven't done a race yet. I don't plan to, but I think in the future, like I'm just trying to get more accustomed to it before I would actually get in a race and 
by racing, I mean, participating, I don't really have the intention ever to like, really like want to win anything or, you know, I just want to like have the experience and the camaraderie of races. I do love that. So my answer is no, I have no races on the radar, yes. <laughs> um, but I, but I'm definitely going to be planning some fun. Um, I have some fun trips planned for the fall to do some trail running. I like how you kind of like break your, your training out in between like coaching and racing and like your time and your work time. That's such a healthy balance. Did you think that you would be coaching professional athletes when you retired? Yeah. You know, so retiring is just like a nice way to have some closure. I think more for the athlete than anything. So it's closure. And then definitely making it known that like, I don't run for money anymore. It was my job. And I, you know, was paid to do that. And now running is for me and I'm not paid. And that is a different dynamic completely. It changes the dynamic of just you're running, at least it did for me. And I no longer wanted it to be my job. Um, So yeah, when I was getting towards the end of my career and I knew, um, that I wanted to transition into coaching. So I'd known for a while that I wanted to coach and really enjoyed working with my current coach. And I was wanting to be mentored and work with him. And we also just have a really great dynamic with our athletes in a pretty big group. So there's always more hands needed on deck to be able to manage a large team. So the intention with my retiring, I knew a few years out and Nike had supported that vision of me um, transitioning into a coach. And so um, I don't know when I was little, if I ever thought like, oh, that's what I would do for sure. I was definitely more of a runner, but I think um, having evolved with a team and um, being a teammate and leading a team, I felt like I naturally was really good at being bossy and a leader. And so it just seemed like more just a natural fit um, to be in that role and to share my knowledge. I I learned a lot throughout my career, you know, good things and things I did right and things I did wrong and just trying to help the current batch of athletes coming through, hopefully skip over some of the the mess ups that I had um, and just allow them to have, um, you know, really healthy careers, long careers, whatever they want out of it and use my experience to help them, you know, avoid those pitfalls and those harder moments. And it's inevitable that they will. Um, But if I can be there to at least say, Hey, I've done this. I've been there. I know what you're feeling. I think, and that's where it's really authentic. And I think they trust me a lot because they're like, well, Shalane knows exactly what this workout feels like. She knows the recovery. She knows what this injury feels like. She knows how to come back after an injury. And I think having that so fresh in my memory really helps them trust and also just know that they're going to get to where they want to go, having have someone in their corner who's been there. So is there anything that you wish someone would have told you when you were a professional runner that like when you first started that you're now sort of saying to your athletes? You know, I think I wish I would have had someone pull me aside and say, when you have these great races, I think it's really natural, especially when you're younger to think, oh, I'm going to have a million more like this. And you always move on really quick from whatever the achievement is, whether it's an American record or a national title or an Olympic medal, you're always thinking, oh, there's more to come. And the reality is that it's a very tough sport. And sometimes we don't get those moments again. So I wish someone would have told me earlier on, like, you really got to celebrate these achievements because they're few and far between sometimes. 
And that's what makes it so addicting and so, so hard, but yet so rewarding because it isn't easy. And therefore hard things are fun, but they don't like the big time achievements are very few and to really savor them and soak them up. I think I did towards the end of my career, I was very sentimental about each little thing that happened. But I think earlier on, I just kept thinking, well, I have so much time. I'm going to do so much better. And sometimes it's like, no, that was, that was the moment. And you kind of dismiss it as not being important, but it really is important. And so I wish, you know, I try to reinforce that with my athletes when they have a big breakthrough moment. I'm like, this is incredible. We need to celebrate this. You did so good really soak this up. Don't just keep moving on to the next thing quite yet. Like really soak in this achievement. And I think that's just nature of our society is very, very quick. Um, and so I just try to reinforce that. I think it's, it's like, you don't want to hang on to like a good moment for too long because you're afraid, uh, that like it, you, I think on some level, like you think like, oh, I don't want to make a big deal about this because then, you know, it's a big deal. And, but meanwhile, Mm. people like to hang on to the negative moments like so much longer. Like how long can you beat yourself up over like a bad race, right? Like forever. Like, oh, I, I mean, I can still talk about like bad races. I can still tell you. I never brag. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can still tell you every detail of a bad race and the good ones. I'm like, yeah, well, what did happen? That was just good. You know, you don't like hang on to it too long, but the bad ones you just like ruminate over forever. So yeah, totally. I think it's great that professional athletes get to work with mental health coaches and sports psychologists. Oh yeah. Um, you know, there's only so much training and, you know, and to be honest, it's not that fancy, like running is very simple sport and we tend to overcomplicate it. But, um, I believe the mind is one of our greatest tools. And I, would tell myself all the time, like train the brain right now, you're training the brain, control your thoughts, control your thoughts. They're going to dictate how this workout goes. It's going to dictate how the you know race goes. And so I always am working with the athletes and either me personally working with them on how to train their brain, or we seek out, you know, professional help yeah. to help them. It's so, yeah. I mean, it's so important. Even, you know, I was just, um, I just watched professional athletes run through the finish line, like at the world championships, um, you know, Ironman triathlon and then they fall. Like they come through the finish line and they're on the ground. And I mean, that is a testament to our minds because it's like, and, and I know you as a professional athlete have also been there, but for you to see that firsthand, like to experience it as a, an athlete, that's obviously one thing, but to be an observer, which I know you've also been on many races and especially with your athletes to watch someone just get through the finish line and then they're done. And you know that I would like most of that race was in their head and the mind is so incredible. Like you can do anything. Yeah. Some of my favorite races to watch are actually high school cross country because exactly that literally almost every kid that I see cross the finish line collapses. And it's like, they can't get up for a while. And it's like, well, then how did you just run three miles? But it's like their mind allows them to go to a, to a much like harder place than they're actually physically trained for, you know, high school kids probably aren't training that much. Um, the majority of them, and they race way over their fitness level. And so 
but they can get to that finish line. But as soon as it's over, it is over. Their mind is like, nope, can't do anymore. I'm not pushing anymore. And it's amazing. Like that's maybe my favorite to watch at the finish line is, is high school kids because it's quite dramatic. And you 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 would have thought like, how did they ever get through that race if they can't even stand up for like 10 minutes now? So yeah. That's incredible. And speaking of high school, you Bowerman Track Club, you guys started a camp for high schoolers. So talk to me a little bit about that. I think it's so cool. Yeah. Well, so we have a great youth program that's been running for quite a while and they get to run on the Nike campus. And depending upon the fall, our athletes will come and participate and help coach. So you may one day have, you know, the silver medalist and the steeplechase, um, or you may have an American record holder in the 10 K show up and, you know, they're there helping proctor workouts and encouraging the kids. And so it's a really fun atmosphere and it's grown wildly with our youth program. And in 2019 was when we first hosted, um, our camp and that was in Bend, Oregon. And since then, though, that was the only year that we've hosted it in person. And then it's been virtual. So we're really excited to have it like back in person in Bend. And there's actually two weeks this year. I think the first year we only had one week um, and it went was super successful. So that's why we've moved to two. Um, But yeah, it's actually run by Elliot Heath, um, who's also part of Bowerman Track Club and does BTC elite um, team. We're technically the pro team. We have masters. There's a whole bunch of, I mean, we run the game and we have a lot of people involved, but yeah, the camp is hugely successful and we get kids from all over the world and learning and um, running and and having a, a fun time. I mean, I have such fond memories of the camps that I would go to and this one blows my mind um, at how much <laughs> how much better it is, just how it's evolved, the nature of um, camps. And I have to say one of the highlights is food because I have helped create the menu. So a lot of it, almost all the foods are basically drawn from my cookbooks. So right. we've helped curate an amazing menu. And a lot of the kids leave camp telling their parents saying like the first year, they were like telling their parents that one of the greatest parts of camp was the food. Wow. And it was like, says no one ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? so so, where they run a lot and they eat a lot, which is great because they're growing bodies and, and hopefully learn something. And again, the camaraderie and um, yeah, it's, it's a really, it's really fun. And they, Elliot does a great job orchestrating the camp. I think um, Gwen Jorgensen told me about it when she was on the podcast back in 2019, like right before the pandemic. Can anyone, can any kids get in? Is there, are there like tests to get in or can you just like send your kid? Oh yeah, anyone. Because <laughs> running is yeah, so yeah. good for you, right? I mean, it's yeah. just so good for you as a kid mentally to have a sport like that where there's such yeah. a great community of people. Anyone can get in. It's, it's, there's done, no... it's sold out for this summer though. Right? Or um, no, I, I believe the second week still has space. Oh, cool. The first week may be close to closed. Like we try to keep cap it about like 100 to 110 per week, um, just to keep it nice and tight and feeling like very, like everyone gets a good attention and enough staff. Um, the staff to like kid ratio, you know, ratio is really, really good. Yeah. So we don't want to lose that kind of um, intimate, like feeling like we know everyone's name to a degree, you know, at least the counselor. So, so I believe the second week is, is definitely still billing. Yeah. Are you doing any camps for adults? <laughs> We've heard that a lot. <laughs> I've heard about that a lot. Yeah. That is not in the works yet, but who's to say it wouldn't be. I think we're perfecting our high school camp first and then we'll 
potentially move to that. But if anyone is looking for some great kind of like retreats, um, which are kind of like camps, my best friend, Elise, my co-author of our cookbooks, um, she's hosting a retreat and you'll have to look for the next one because they're filled up. But one is in Alaska and then the other one is in uh, Chamonix in France. So that is something I would totally do. The Alaska one, there's a full Ironman in Alaska. I got an email recently and I don't do full distance Ironman. And I was just like, can I just do it as a relay and do the bike? Like, I would love to yeah. ride my bike in Alaska. Right. But, you know, I like, know. I, yeah. I mean, I just like, for me, all this stuff, it's like you're saying with trail running, I'm not mm-hmm. out on the trails, but I just love exploring places through different sports and adventure. Yes. But yeah, yeah. yeah I would definitely check out Elise's retreats. That sounds retreat. really cool. They're, they're yeah. like basically adult camps yeah. where you like eat great food, learn how to cook some great recipes. And then, uh, oh yeah, you're going to go run and explore. So, yeah. So you love working with kids in high school and with the pros. And, you know, you ran the 2022 Boston Marathon with Boston Marathon bombing survivor, Adrienne Haslett, who is now a single leg amputee. Yeah, single leg amputee. And she has a running blade. I forget what the technical, she's like in a category. I think it's like T64 um, is like the competitive category. The marathon is not in um, Paralympic event. It's only on the one thing she and I are going to hopefully work on is creating more opportunities for um, para athletes and really she helped create the division in Boston, which is incredible. But in terms of like Olympic distances on the track, they're very short. They're like 100 and 200 meters. And so there's really no distance Paralympians for like her category, which is single leg, single leg amputee. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I befriended Adrian. Um, my first Boston marathon was 2013. So I was there for the bombing. And I met her in 2014 when I came back to run um, the 2014 Boston marathon. And she and I just like instantly clicked and just became friends and have supported each other from afar. She lives in Boston and I live in Oregon and we've just supported each other throughout, you know, our, our running and uh, life. And she's had some really tough moments, you know, even after 2013, the bombing, she got hit by a car right near on, on the marathon course. And Anyways, so it's been a hard road to get to run the Boston Marathon. And she contacted me this winter asking if I would coach her and run with her because um, she's allowed basically an assisted runner to run with her. And so she asked if I would do both. And I said, yep, I got you. That must have been really powerful to be able to do that with her. I mean, there's already so much power, like mentally and like emotion that comes into your body and your mind when you're running to feel that kind of energy must've been amazing for her to cross the line. Yeah. Yeah. She and I got to train together throughout the course of the winter a few times. And she even came out here and stayed with me for a week and um, we got to know each other really well beyond our initial friendship. So that was just made it, I think that connection that we developed and the friendship we developed over those you know, the past couple months, um, the bond just grew st- stronger. And therefore, obviously that makes me like more emotional and a marathon is emotional. Like no matter what, like, I think I cry almost after every single one that I complete. It's weird. Like, I don't know if it's cause I'm tired or what, or hungry, but I cry every time it seems like, but yeah, obviously with Adrian, there wasn't a huge emotional component. 
with her coming and running and showing strength and resilience and one of the toughest women I know. Um, it was so much fun though. We had a blast. Like we felt like we were in a Rocky movie because everyone was just yelling, go Adrian, oh. go Adrian. <laughs> That's so funny. The whole time. That's it was so that or F yeah, Adrian. Like it was just so That's Boston. So cool. by the That's way. very Boston. Uh, yes. It's very yeah. Boston. Yeah. We had a blast. Like everyone, it was like, it, it was just nonstop. It was incredible. Um, and then, yeah, obviously when we got to Boylston where she lost her leg, that was very emotional. And yeah, it was just one of those days that you're like, man, I wish I could have a day like this every day because it was just so powerful and just, you just like, won't ever forget, you know, we have a lot of mundane days in, in our lives. And that's one of those days that you're like, man, I hope I never forget all these little details that happened because it was pretty powerful. Like back to those good moments and celebrating them and cherishing them yeah. and like positive reinforcement. Do you mind if I ask you some training questions around running? Sure. Okay. All right, cool. Mm -hmm. Cause I have a few. Okay. So what is the best way to build speed back into your training? If you've kind of lost it during the pandemic, you're not a professional athlete. You're, you know, just a recreational, maybe marathoner. You're running. You're, you're a decent runner. Like yeah. you're, you're up there running. It's really hard yeah. to get your speed back. So how do you build speed back into your training? I mean, that's something that I, that I work on. There's certain phases within a year. Like right now, I'm not running a lot, but when I get out there, I, I try to be kind of intentional about just working on some turnover because if I do want to do some fun things, like I always try to stay in a place of fitness where if I have a friend say, oh, let's go do this like in two weeks, I'm like fit enough to feel like, oh, I can go adventure and go do that thing. So I'm always trying to just do a little something just so I can always be in shape to go do fun things with friends. So that being said, in general, just like consistency is great. But if I'm trying to work on like my turnover and getting my speed back, the key is to me, one, hills are great as you get older, just because we're not crazy fast, right? But hills will like stress the legs and the body and in the cardiovascular system in such a wonderful way without like the pounding of trying to run super hard and fast on the flat stuff. You can get like more injuries doing that, but doing some like nice hill strides and sprints um, into your program really develops like the whole backside chain, which as runners, we completely neglect our glutes tend to yeah. just kind of shut off. And that's our powerhouse for sprinting and speed. So glute work in the gym, glute work on the hill are probably the best things you can do to get your speed back. Um, so integrating that. And then I'm just a big believer in strides. Like if I have an athlete who's injured and is coming back and they can't get their legs to turn over the way they want. I just have them at, you know, in the middle of the run at the end of the run, just do some like 30 second pickups in this, in the middle of the run or at the end, you know, just pick a nice spot to just do some strides. It doesn't have to be at the track. Some people are really intimidated by the track, or if you are a track person, I say once a week, I would say, go do just some hard two hundreds where I'll do this, where I'll do like 200, you know, hard. And I kind of like warm up into it, 200 hard, and then just a hundred jog float. And I do that for four straight, then I'll jog one lap, kind of a reset. So it's almost like a mile worth, right? Okay. So 200 yeah. hard, 200 float and do four of those. And then like do as many as like, you know, I may do th two to three sets of those. And it's like two or three miles worth, you know, total, but that helps me just kind of like, so each set, I'll try to get a little bit faster. So if I start out at 40 for my 200, you know, then I try to like the next one's going to be in 39s and the, next, the last one hopefully is in 38s and like try to 
squeeze it down. But if it's all the same, that's fine. But just like, I feel like for 200 meters, people can hold some pretty decent top end speed without breaking down form. If you try to go out and run some like hard 400s, it's likely that you won't get as much out of it just because it's harder to hold form and that speed for too long. So yeah, that's if you're a track person, I say just some good 200s and get after it. But yeah. Yeah. Those are the treadmill too. Like I use, no, I mean, that's great. I mean, yeah. that's obviously that's great advice. I mean, it's so interesting that you say run hills as opposed to not as opposed to, but in addition to speed. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I just developing that backside yeah. chain because if you're, if your glutes um, and your hamstrings are weak, like you won't be as powerful and you won't be as fast. So I think it's key as we age, certainly I have to just be a lot more intentional about like keeping that area, like still really strong because I don't sprint and I don't use my glutes that much. So I have to like do some maintenance work on it. Is it true? I mean, we lose speed as we get older at age, you know, after 30, it's a pretty, it starts to decline, unfortunately, pretty aggressively. But it's all relative. If you were the world record holder in the 400, your decline would be a lot like, you know, less aggressive. But yeah, it's we're never going to be as fast as we were in our 20s. So that's a silly notion to hold on to, to think that you can run the same speed, but you can still get some good turnover and you can still do some really great things with it. And we love to say with our team, like strength to speed. So if you're a really strong athlete, like you'll be able to maintain your speed decently, like because you're strong. So yeah. yeah. And, but endurance, you can build your whole life. Yes, exactly. Constantly working and evolving. Yeah. yeah. So like you can go longer and do, you know, more of the ultra running and on, or just a yeah. marathon or whatever, you know, obviously it's relative to where you are in your yeah. running. I am so grateful for my treadmill because I can, you know, in New York city, like we don't have, I mean, there's hills, but not like yeah. outside and on the West side highway. So you have to go to the yeah, park yeah. or you have to go over to yeah. New Jersey or, you know, like you can't just like yeah. run outside, but having a treadmill and doing like serious incline on the treadmill yeah. has been really helpful. Yeah. Now that being said, if you're going to do hill sprints, the incline should not be very steep. It should be like, you know, I don't know, like 3% Four, grade. 3%. Yeah. 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 Like not, not terribly hard. It's just enough where you just are recruiting that backside chain and it doesn't have to be like, you're going up Mount Everest. It should be very like manageable, just incline. It shouldn't be too crazy. So, okay. Yeah. That's super helpful though. And then what do you ever do when it comes to course specific training? Do you train the terrain? Like, do you get into that, you know, the last six weeks? Before? Yeah. Yeah. Overall, the fitness is the most important part. So you got to be fit and healthy, but I do believe in visualization. And I also believe in like setting up courses in your training to kind of like help you start to visualize the course that you're going to be running. So not only physiologically, do you kind of want to go through it, but I think more than anything, it's like mentally preparing for those certain aspects of the course. And if you know, it's going to be hilly, you kind of want to endure some discomfort on a hilly session, you know, every now and then, because then you got to like, you don't want it to be like, you get to the course and you're like, wow, didn't feel prepared. You want to do your homework. Right. So I would, I was notorious in my career to going to the course and running it a few times and getting it and then trying to replicate it somewhere near home or in my training, wherever I was and trying to just simulate as much as I could, what the course was going to be like, because then it becomes second nature. And hopefully like your performance kind of flows out of you instead of feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't feel prepared. And I mentally haven't gone through the hilliness of this or the downhills. And like, so the the more prepared you can be, the better result you're going to get. 
Yeah, that's I, I love that. I always do course recon. Yeah. Yep. I'm a I big mean, fan. <laughs> I, I, you know, if I could go like a month in advance and then come back, you know, to New York, if it was my job, I would be like, yeah, yeah. hundred yeah, percent totally. going like months in advance, like running, doing all the training. Yeah. I think, that's yeah, I think it's an advantage personally. Um, some people don't like to see the course. They want to like experience it on race day, but if you're, you're wanting to maximize yourself, I believe, you know, you, imagine where you train all the time, you probably can run better workouts in an area where you've trained all the time. Like, you know, every divot in the road, like you just yeah. know everything and what to anticipate. And you can actually get in a state of flow, I think, better when you know something pretty well, right? Um, and you're not thinking like, what's ahead? And you feel more yeah. anticipated or your anxiety driven, where it's like, if you know, it, it just flows out of you. And so the, to me, that, that's like an energy cost and being more efficient. Yeah. I feel like, I feel the same way. I feel like it's nice to have familiarity so that you don't, you don't there's no surprises, right? The only surprises are yeah. coming from how you feel on that day, but not from anything else. Like everything else is like, you know, a given as a marathoner and pro runner, what are some tips that you might offer to people training for a marathon, like for, to have a successful race from mental to fueling to training? Yeah. Well, I'll use like, um, I'll actually use me coaching Adrian as an example. So she came to me in late December, January, and she said, I want to run the Boston marathon. And so we looked at the date of the Boston marathon and then worked our way back and, um, assessed, you know, certain chunks of training, which is obviously great to have that all laid out in that groundwork and framework. But one of the first things that I did ask her to do, um, before we really got started was get a blood test. I call that like looking under the hood and, um, I've been partnered with inside tracker. I've used them in the last couple of years to help me for the long haul, the, the long game of running and just to be the best version of me as a coach and as an athlete. And I said, listen, I really trust them. They've guided me through six marathons in 42 days. I really trust them. I think we need to take a full panel um, with Inside Tracker and see where you're at because I can't coach you to the best ability if I don't know um, that you're deficient in something or something is off. And, and if we get down the road of training and we don't know why, um, I'll just be throwing a bunch of you know darts in the dark and we won't know why you know the training's not going well. So we did. We got an Inside Tracker test with like Adrian, and honestly, I think it led to a huge game changer for us because I don't know that she would have been on the start line on April 18th in Boston. Had we not, um, we found out that she was actually severely anemic. Oh, wow. Um, many distance, you know, enthusiasts know, yeah. um, that that is vital to transporting oxygen, right? If you have low iron supply, ferritin supply, um, it's not doing its job in terms of helping you circulate the oxygen when you're working out in, even just in life. Um, so that was huge. And we immediately tried, started to address that. And it takes a bit, it takes a while to get, um, your iron and ferritin stores up, but we did. And her training drastically improved when we first, you know, started working together. I was very nervous. I was like, I don't know if this is going to happen. Um, her goal is really, you know, challenging. It's going to be hard. And um, it was a game changer. So that right there um, led to a lot of decisions on what she was eating. Um, we constantly were looking at foods that had good iron supply within it naturally. And then she also had to supplement. And yeah. I'm a big believer in not taking supplements. If you don't have to, um, you should know exactly like what you're addressing. Like, 
So, and being intentional about the supplements, not just throwing a bunch of stuff at you and not knowing if you need it. So yeah, fueling and your nutrition, um, is huge. And, you know, thankfully like Adrienne is a great sleeper. So her recovery was always really great. Um, that's, that plays a big role. I say the two biggest recovery tools in my mind are sleep and good food. And so we just started addressing those things and it's amazing how much better her training got, um, by just addressing, um, some of the things that we saw in inside tracker results and her blood test. And, you know, that's, it's incredible to think that that literally was the difference in her being able to run the boss marathon and not. And how you also, you know, mentioned that you were using inside tracker. So, and I know you used it when you did project eclipse and I don't know if you were using it before that, but obviously it helped Adrian, but how did it help you with your racing and training? Because you were doing like six marathons basically over the course of 42 days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so how did you use it to help you as well? I had been using inside tracker for over a year prior. Um, and when I, you know, enlisted my support team to be able to accomplish this kind of crazy goal of six marathons in 42 days. Um, they were one of the first people that I supported first, you know, team and company that I, I asked, I said, can I, I need your help. I have this crazy goal and I really want to document and see where I'm at, um, for overall, just to see what it does to the body does to my body. But uh, along the way, I want to make sure I'm doing a good job recovering. So we did very strategic strategic testing throughout, um, the 42 days based on, um, certain time periods that were good to test. And maybe one of the more crucial moments was we tested, um, right after I got back from a segment, I went Berlin marathon. And then one week later I ran London and, um, I ran quite fast and they were hot, warmer, yeah. um, marathons. And I, I don't think I did a good job fueling leading into London. And as a result, I had to stop and walk. I still ran great, but I had to stop and walk, which I'd never done before in my ever in a marathon. And I did not feel good. It, it was like, I was got really nervous. I wouldn't be able to accomplish the goal of running so many marathons because right around the corner, I had a back-to-back marathon weekend of Chicago and Boston. Yeah. So um, I got really nervous that I was maybe had, you know, somehow sabotaged this effort and this goal. Um, but like the feedback that I got from the blood test showed me some vital things of where I needed to make some adjustments in my nutrition. And overall, I needed to just up the calorie intake. I needed to make sure I was getting some better sleep and being home allowed me to really go back to what I knew. Traveling is definitely a little bit harder to get in the say, like like traveling back and forth yeah. on the airplane and getting dehydrated and going up in the yeah. air. All that has to be factored in yeah. too, right? I brought a lot of my favorite recipes from like rise and run and run fast, eat slow. But by the time I got to the London Marathon, I'd eaten pretty much all that I brought. Um, so I was definitely running low on the things that I really liked and would lean into. Um, so yeah, that was just a good wake up call. I saw, you know, just various levels, like cortisol was spiked that just like my stress was higher. My, uh, creatine kinase, um, was higher, which is just like damaged the tissue of the muscles. And so there's just a lot of things. And I consulted with insight tracker and they were able to guide me on some things that I can do. And, and it made, I think a big difference right there. That was like kind of a game changer. And I was so thankful that I had the, that information because I knew I didn't feel great, but it confirmed that my levels had gotten kind of wonky and off kilter. So, and then when you see what's going on and what's wrong, you can fix it and you don't have to wonder, right? Like, you know, exactly. something else. I mean, you're so, it's like the next level of being dialed in 
Do you typically use gels or any kind of fueling when you're running? Yeah. Um, I kind of discovered Morton um, when I was in Berlin. That was what was on the course. That's the thing is not being an elite athlete. I typically would have as an elite, my own fluids and my own stuff out on the course. And so everything, um, with the six marathons was whatever I could carry or whatever was on the course. Right. And so didn't necessarily match up what was on the course is what I would consume. But, um, I did try Morton and, um, I loved it in Berlin. It felt amazing. And so I was just like, wow, I'm going to switch from some of the other things that I was using. And I actually, from then on have never not used Morton. Um, I'm not sponsored by them. I yeah. am just a big, big fan. Um, they definitely supply me with all the Morton I need. Um, and I had Adrian consume Morton throughout her training and, um, her race as well, but yeah, very, um, simple and just digest really well. Yeah. And I, I, felt like really worked well for me. I think a lot of my athlete listeners use that brand of gels and also carbohydrates for their water. Yeah. I was using yeah. it on the bike for a little bit. I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying different things. My whole nutrition changed. So I also use inside tracker and I'm a huge fan and it has been game changing yeah. for me and my training. Yeah. I mean, there was a moment where I like last year, I thought I was sick because I was, I, I know how, I know if I'm getting sick based on how I'm running. Like if I have a really bad running day, I usually will like think about it and think like, why really? And I can tell like if I'm starting to get sick, if something's up because it's not normal for me to feel a certain way, even if it's a bad day, like it wouldn't be yeah. like that bad. And I started feeling like even just like walking my dogs, I was out of breath, which is so strange for me. So yeah. of course I go to like the immediate, like I have COVID, but I didn't and I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And I knew I was, it was time for me to test with inside tracker. And of course it turned out my iron was low and, you know, not my ferritin, but my iron and my B12 was super low, mm -hmm. which was so strange. Yeah. I have no idea what happened, but I immediately yeah. fixed it and, you know, I'm back on yeah. track, but it was yeah. good to like, know like what that feeling is and then what's happening inside and that it's really not the end of the world. Like you can fix it yeah. and you can optimize mm -hmm. it, but you would never know if, if you didn't yeah. have like something like inside tracker. I feel like this, this format of blood testing should be done quarterly. Um, and I believe like it should be almost like just mandated, right? Like for yeah. everyone, they should all know what's going on inside, not have to do the, all the guesswork and then be provided. What I love about inside trackers, they give you like an actionable plan. Like, well, this is what you do now. Right. And then you feel like just more at peace and like, you're like, okay, I've got this. It's not anything to freak out about. And I'm the same as you. I'm, I'm constantly monitoring for me is my vitamin D living in yeah. Oregon, like not enough sun. Um, so vitamin D, which huge with sleep, which is huge. And then just like overall energy levels, B12 as well, big on energy levels. I'll do anything for more energy. Yeah. And then um, my ferritin um, and iron supply um, are really big, three big ones that I like constantly, I'm always like really into. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's also like the whole vitamin D it's thing. It's like, you know, even if you spend like so much time outside, it's just really hard for your skin to absorb it. I feel like it starts to decrease when you're like in your twenties and it's the key to having optimal strength for running and endurance and all the things that we do. And then just yeah. like for everything else to work. Yeah. completely. Did you do this as a pro? Did you do this kind of testing or the pros don't do this kind of like at this level of inside tracker? 
So when I was a pro, I would do blood testing. I've done it throughout my right. whole career, but not as thorough of a panel that Insight Tracker provides. I don't, I didn't know about Insight Tracker when I was a professional. I'm not sure when the company started. They could have started right at the tail end of my career, but I I did not know about them. So I love that they are so great at marketing now because um, I feel like every endurance athlete now knows about them. Yeah. Um, same on people who don't even like, you know, don't utilize because. Yeah. I mean, I have all my athletes testing with them. It's yeah. just, it's a no brainer to me. It's like, if you're going to invest in so much time and training, you may as well just do the little background check and under the hood check just to make sure things are going well. And we've caught so much great stuff in advance and some of it a little too late, but at least we have a plan of what to do. Yeah. So. I think it's amazing. You are very dialed in to your nutrition on and off the course especially as the co-author of three New York Times bestselling cookbooks with your most recent one, Rise and Run. And you just wrapped a very cool challenge. Yeah, it it ends today. Today is the last day of, um, yeah, a Rise and Run May challenge. And it's been incredible to see what people, you know, have done. They have committed to it. And there some people messaged us saying like, they're, they're sad. It's over. And I'm like, well, you can keep going. Yeah. But yeah, we have some fun giveaways. Um, and inside tracker is also participating, but yeah, we got some fun goodies, um, that, you know, to give away to people. I'm sure you'll do another one at some point. Right. I mean, I hope so. This yeah. kind of happened organically. It was more, I think Elise, my co-author, who was like, I need to just like stay motivated to get in shape because she's hosting a retreat in uh, um, Alaska. And I said, yeah, let's just do it. She's like, I'm doing it more for me, but she's like, I think we should just share it with everyone. See if people are into it. And I think people needed it, the accountability. I mean, I need it and I'm I'm sure other people did too. So I think it was a great excuse, um, to just get out there and the weather's turning. So it's a little bit nicer to get up a little bit earlier. And, um, so I think people really enjoyed it and, you know, brought their dogs along, their kids along. I know. I um, was thinking quite a thing. Yeah, no, I was thinking like, that's such a good, cause it wasn't like you have to go run five miles or three miles or 12. It was just mm-hmm. like, get up and run, get up and. Or get up in any type of yeah, movement, whether it's kayaking yeah. or yoga, just get up in the sun. And it's, yeah, it's about like getting that vitamin D if you can early morning and it sets the circadian rhythm. It helps you like better sleep. It's just overall, it's like being intentional about like how you start your morning and how you start your morning sets the tone for your whole day. And we're big believers in just some really good morning time and taking space and just, you know, creating the best atmosphere so that you can have a good day. And I think it, I think it helped people a lot. So hopefully we'll do it again. That's awesome. And so with rise and run your book, you have all these amazing, you know, superhero muffins, which are wildly popular amongst runners and, you have the pancakes and the waffles and um, all these really great things that you could eat before you go on a run, after you go on a run. If you're not a runner and you just want to take a yoga class, you can also make these ama- like amazing cookbooks. Three awesome cookbooks full of great recipes, but I'm really loving the pancakes and waffles on oh, the rise and run. Yeah, I used to eat oatmeal every day before I would go for a run not immediately like an hour and yeah. a half before that was my go-to morning breakfast but something happened. Too. yeah but something yeah. I would do steel cut oats but something happened okay. I don't know what happened with my gut over the pandemic but it's too much yeah. fiber for me before I go yeah. do a run a bike I can do it but a run yeah. no so yeah. now I and even an out like even I don't have two hours like before I go for like I wake up and then I want to kind of go for a run within the hour. 
So yeah. it's easier to have like pancakes or waffles or, you know, one of the super superhero muffins, you know, something yeah. easy to digest. It's simple. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can even, Elise and I will even make a big batch of like the waffles and put them in like the freezer. Right. And then just toast them up so that like on a Sunday we do, we're big into meal prep that ebbs and flows for me throughout the year when I'm doing the meal prep. But yeah, it's, those are some of the go-tos. I love some of our recipes that kind of can double as like lunch and yes. dinner. So like yeah. the frittatas, like we have a really yummy, like summer vegetable frittata. That's like so good. And like, could be used breakfast, lunch, or dinner, um, pair it with like a nice salad at dinner and it's good to go. Um, I love that. I love some of like our sweet treats. Like, uh, we have like these crispy rice peanut butter bars that are again, like you can have as like an indulgent breakfast, but it's also amazing for if you just want a nice little treat to go with like tea in the afternoon or even just indulgent at night, if you're wanting some chocolate and peanut butter, you know, as a dessert. So, um, yeah, we, we hit up a variety of areas and then plenty of smoothies and all that as yeah. well. But yeah. It's great. I mean, I was, cause I have all three of the books and I was thinking, mm-hmm. you know, as I was going through rise and run and some, of uh, some of the recipes, I was like, I want to get a waffle maker. Like I need another appliance yeah. in my apartment, but I was just thinking <laughs> that would be so much fun to have a waffle. Maker. They are, yeah. <laughs> they are fun. I don't know. They stay better. Like to me, pancakes can get a bit soggy if you yeah. want to like eat them or something, but I find that waffles hold a better consistency if you want to make a big batch. And like I said, you put them in the freezer and they pop them out, put them in the toaster and they just like taste to me just as fresh. There's a pancake. It's a little bit more mushy. So yeah. I'm sure Jack loves Mm -hmm. all these amazing treats too. (laughs) Yes. And no, he, you know, as most kids, they go through phases of being into something. And then literally the next week he's like, what? I don't eat that anymore. And I'm like, since when I made literally a hundred of those and now they're in the freezer and I guess, you know, your father's going to eat it now, (laughs) but yeah, no, he's, he's a decently good eater. Um, but to me, more than anything, I love knowing, yeah, that I'm giving him good food that's like developing his brain and all that. So um, I wouldn't say he's the best, but it's been fun to experiment and see what he does like and just how it evolves. And um, he's been fun also to just like be in the kitchen with. I have a little stool that he's up at the counter and we do our cooking together and he's definitely getting more into that and doing things with mommy and has a little more of a better attention span. And yeah, yeah I look just forward to doing two, more of that. Right. He just yes. turned two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. He's so cute. Yeah. He is like bananas he is. cute. Yeah. He is. It's like, I, I, when he wakes up from his naps, I'm always like, I think you got cuter. How did you do that? <laughs> like, he's so cute. How do you get yeah. your runs in with a two-year-old running around literally? Yeah. You know, I've, I've done definitely done like the stroller thing. Um, I think that too is like, just depends on his attention span that day. I've gotten out there and it's like, nope, he's not having it. He doesn't want to be in the stroller. Then some days it's like, he falls asleep and it's great. And I get a good run in, but more times than not, I try to be pretty much up and at it and out the door. Um, I get him up, get him good to go. And then my husband takes over while I go get a run in and then I'm back for the rest of the day. But I definitely have a harder time accepting the fact that sometimes my runs may be later in the day. I'm just not an afternoon runner. And like, I just have it in my head that I'm going to feel terrible for some reason. So I'm like, oh, it's not even worth it because I'm going to feel so bad, (laughs) but I should just accept that it's like, it is what it is. Um, but being a parent, I've definitely had to just adjust and go with the, on the fly with what's our life. And, but I try as best as possible to just knock it out in the morning, get my run in. So, and now is your husband still running? 
He is. Yeah. We both just are, you know, we call it like our better person pills. Like we just feel like we have to run. It's like, we don't have, we don't have any goals at the moment, but we just feel like we're better people. We sleep better, food tastes better. Everything's just better if we do get some exercise in. So yes, he runs, but he's more of like a late morning. So it's actually a perfect balance because the only thing I miss is I miss he and I running together. We met in college and we met through running. We were both on the Carolina track team and I miss running together. We haven't run together in so long. So you run together um, a lot. We used to, he used to help with a lot of my training and jump in and, um, but he hasn't, and we haven't been able to run together in a while. So I guess when Jack gets old enough, he's, he's in school, that'll be something we can look forward to. So that's so funny. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that he, cause I remember he was running the New York city marathon and you were here to support him. That's always fun to be able to run with your partner. You're a morning runner. My perfect running time is 11 o'clock in the morning Yeah, because I've already had like a couple of cups of coffee. I've gotten some work done so I don't feel guilty, like leaving my office. And also like my body has digested any food that I've eaten at that point yeah and that's like the sweet spot either th- I'm like yeah. you though like if I don't get my run in by that at that time anything at four o'clock it's going to be indoors on the treadmill like there's no outdoor because yeah. it whatever I'm always complaining about the weather that's my thing yeah. and the weather always sucks so I've been telling myself after watching these like Ironman professional triathletes like come through the finish line and then pass out in 95 yeah. degree heat after being out there for eight hours that like I need yeah. to take it down a notch with the weather yeah (laughs) just go for the run it's hard yeah I know I know yeah no it's funny how we get a little finicky about certain things and yeah yeah sometimes we just have to have a have a good friend who um always says to me he's like you gotta like take the action and then the mood's gonna follow so like you may not be in the mood to go do it at that time but you just got to go take that action and then and give yourself some grace like I'm only just going to go a mile. And then you always end up running further than that. So he's like, just go with the action first. And then that mood of what you want will follow. It just will take a little bit, you know? So you're not, rarely are you ever really in the mood, you know, like to do something, it's more like you got to start the thing and then the mood follows. So that's what my mantra has been like all through the pandemic is like, just get going, like take the action because the mood will follow, but I'm definitely not in the mood right now. So yeah, I, I feel like that a lot, especially like when coming back from not really running or like, you know, having, I had a cold for a couple of days and I was just the last thing I wanted to do was run, but it's also the first thing I want to do, but I just want to do yeah. it well and not have a sucky run. Yeah. Yeah. I, instead I've, you know, on my bike, on the trainer, I've been yeah. riding my bike outside to see, cause I just had a cold, like I'm such a baby. Yeah. Now, so like, you know, a cold <laughs> takes me out forever. Like, yeah. cause I really yeah. knock on wood have been not sick. So like then when I get sick, it's over. Like, and I had to yeah. like not do the Brooklyn half marathons and I'm like punishing myself, like not allowing myself <laughs> to run. It's awful, but uh, like, it's, you know, yeah. I mean, I know I'm talking to a runner, so I can say yeah. these things. No, I get sure. it. It's like, it's, you just- We're sharing all the weird psychological tricks that we use. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're going to do some trail running with friends. Are you reading any great books right now? Any good summer reads? Do you ever have time to read? I, I saw that you were going to ask that and I pulled out like two of my favorite books because okay, I always feel like it's cool. Um, so the one that I've already read um, is Brad Stolberg, The Practice of Groundedness. Okay. No, he, 
he's a good friend of mine, but I also just like, I love self-help books, like yeah. where I feel like I'm becoming a better person. And I try to like apply it to life, to coaching, all that. Um, so it's a great book, super good. And if you follow Brad on Twitter, like he has the best advice on Twitter. Like he's my favorite to follow. Like okay. I literally like everything and retweet everything. So anyways, he's great. Highly recommend. Um, like I said, I feel like it makes me just like introspective and then like how do I transfer this into my life? And great. Um, and then the other book is also by friends. <laughs> I have a lot of friends who write books. I don't know if you've seen this, how she did it. No, but Molly Huddle. Yeah. And Sarah Slattery. Yeah. And I haven't read it yet. Confession, but this is what I plan to be reading this summer. Oh, um, awesome. But it's awesome stories, advice, secrets from 50 legendary distance runners. My mom and I are featured in it, which is super cute. Oh, that's cool. I saw um, a picture of you with your mom on Instagram. That's so cool. Yeah. Recently. Yeah. But yeah, there's some really, really cool things. I don't know. It's always good to be constantly learning. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some nuggets in here I can pick up even, even though yeah. I've been in this sport for a long time, you're always learning. So there's always something yeah. you can learn. Um, yes. And then are you binging any series? Like I just watched Stranger Things and watched the whole thing. Oh, in yeah. Like 24 hours. Um, I binged Yellowstone. I was late to the game on Yellowstone. So okay. that been my current and I like just finished it. It's really good. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that. I Big heard fan. it's really good. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm obsessed for with just like the Montana, like scenery. The scenery is maybe what I like, what I'm like excited to watch the show more than anything is because it's stunning. It's yeah. just gorgeous. So yeah. All right, cool. And what about who's inspiring you these days? Like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a runner. It could be an athlete. It, yeah. it could be anyone. Well, I just find like working moms, like it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> feel like not torn, you know, like the guilt yep. of like doing things and being away. And, um, so like my inspiration is like, I stalk random women online. <laughs> Sounds weird. <laughs> I stalk random people on Instagram that are like one either have adopted children just because Jack is adopted. So right. I love seeing just like adoptive families and their stories. Like I'm, a, it just melts my heart. Like literally we'll look at Instagram and I'll be crying on the couch. And she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm just reading about this really beautiful, like family who has, you know, it's interracial and it's just beautiful. Like, so that's my inspiration, just reading about families who adopt and then, um, yeah, just working moms who are pursuing their passion and also raising great kids. I think it's, it's really challenging. Like I had no idea. And I grew up with parents that worked, um, and it's hard and I don't think I appreciated it at the time. And so, I'm just like way, way more like, I'm just trying to always learn like how, how can I be more efficient? How can I be more present? All that. So. Yeah. I think that I like a lot of, like, I don't have my own children, but my partner has a 14 year old daughter and you know, we do all of our training together and she'll sometimes feel guilty. Like if we're not here or if we're not spending a lot of time at home, which I totally understand. I mean, I can't even believe sometimes how much time she's able to kind of get away, but I mean, you know, yeah, it's, but the other part of that is that all my friends, my sisters, everyone is like working and then they have kids and they feel horrible because they're working. They can't stand their kids. They love their kids. Like they have, (laughs) you know, and and it's just, it's a constant challenge. And like, as a kid, like you don't appreciate your parents being around because you probably wish they were doing other things. Like, yeah, it's just, it's a constant journey. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm just like, um, because I am later in life having, you know, like starting a family and 
I'm just like extra cheesy and extra emotional about every little stage for Jack. And like, I know that it's going to go quick. And I know that like, they're really only little for so long and then they're in school. And then like, I don't know, like you see them, but like, you don't see them the way you see them now. And so I am appreciative of the work that I do do because I am home quite a bit. I do travel for sure. But like when I'm home, I am home. And that's like, I really, really love that I get to have that with him. And I feel like I have a big impact. Like, you know, it's very interesting nature versus nurture because, you know, with him being adopted and his, his biological parents, nothing to do with running, but he is just, because he's grown up in the environment of runners, like we go to track meets and he just like paces back and forth in the stadium, clapping, very like excited. He practices his own like start stance and like does sprints and just, just the environment that he's in. It's so natural to him. It's so hilarious to watch just like what he's picking up already. So yeah. And I just love that we can incorporate him into what we do. And like, it's just like normal for him to travel the world with mommy and I'm going to go here. I'm going to, he travels a lot with us and I love that we can do that with them. Yeah. I've seen you, I've seen you with him, like obviously on on Instagram, but then like, just, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's great. I mean, I I can't believe that he's too, it feels like yesterday that (laughs) I mean and like just from following you on social like it feels like yesterday that you adopted him and it's like I saw that he's two and he's like a little guy like he's like yeah it's it's crazy it time flies so it's good that you're able to enjoy it like I think you know some people are grateful for the pandemic and the home time and some people are not are not but I would have struggled so much harder. I think I I actually came away from the pandemic just actually having thrived instead of survived in certain areas of my life. But but yeah, I had that Jack was born in um, April of 2020. And I mean, what a gift to have throughout that that whole year. I mean, to focus on, I, you know, couldn't really work. I couldn't, couldn't do anything. So it was like, man, he was a great, great reason to just have something to look forward to. That's (laughs) exciting. Have you ever just thought of like writing a book about coaching, like specifically or coaching plans, or is that just like not in your journey? Well, in Rise and Run, I do provide like a marathon I training that. program. Yes. So I have that and it was cool. Like this fall, I think, or um, this past year, like from actually the spring, people were using the training plan that I've like bumped into in Boston. They're like, we're like, we did your training program for Boston. So that was like, really, it was cool. But no, I don't have any plans of doing any coaching books, but maybe one day, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. I like that you had the mile repeats every week. Oh yeah. That's one of our staples that like I did throughout my career and our program does. And it's just kind of a nice little benchmark just to see some progress and yeah, I did it's something good. today. I was inspired. I um, I did four. Oh, good. I did four. I don't. I nice. I won't officially write it in as mile repeats because I didn't do them yeah. perfectly correct. Like I kind okay. of walked in between, but um, but yeah, I did mile repeats. I love mile repeats. I think it's like a really great benchmark mm-hmm. to see like where you're at. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Well, if I train for another marathon, I'll definitely use that plan because I liked. I loved the workouts in there. So. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. There's a good variety. There's some staples that are integrated, but some good variety that should make it kind of fun Yeah, and options. You know, if you like the track or not, you know, that's like good to like, like my friend, Elise, she did not like the track. So I had to integrate, you know, things by minutes and for her to do it on the road or something. So everyone's a little different. Yeah. I think I've learned that about myself as an athlete, like over the years, like Mm -hmm. what I respond to from my coaches and like one of the things I respond to is distance versus time. 
I'm better yeah. at understanding that because I don't know. I, I, and I, you know, I'm not obviously not a coach, so I don't know what is right or wrong. Right. But what works. Oh, that's not right or wrong. It's just like what people like feel yeah. is good. I think yeah. when people tell me to run for an hour, like, I don't know what that, that I understand that it's time on your legs, but I do yeah. also don't understand. Like I would rather you say run nine miles or eight miles yeah. or 10 miles. Yeah. This has been super great. Thank you. So nice to meet you. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future